Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Hey guys, this is Liz Candace. This is Nikki Collin. What up guys? This is Sarkis. Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. Welcome back, WNBA Nation. It's good to have you along for today's episode. My name's Kyle Haywood, and I am joined tonight by two of my best friends in the whole wide world, Logan Jones and Steve Schwartzman. Whoa, I, I messed up Steve's name this time. Usually that, that's Steve's job at the end of the episode. I don't know why I couldn't say Steve's name. Steve Schwartzman, how are you guys doing tonight? <laughs> Steve, Steve, Steve Schwartzman, how's it going? I'm, I'm so sorry. Starts with an S. So swim, swummy, sl- slippy, slappy, swimming, summon, simmon, swan, swanson, swanson. Maybe it's on the briefcase. Look on the. Oh yeah, it's right here. Samsonite. I was way off. I knew it started with an S, though. You know what? <laughs> it's it's you and every teacher I had until that sixth grade. So don't even worry about it. Oh man, Steve, we've only been friends for like what eleven years now. That's it. That's about the uh, you know, eleven was probably about the age when I got my own last name down. So that probably is. Oh, it's about time I messed up your. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh man, we're off to a great start this episode, everybody. You know, I always felt bad in in high school when uh, there's there's a girl if if a sub was there like reading names off in alphabetical order, the girl who was before me all the time, her name was Lauren Iaquinta. And subs would struggle and she would always just cut them off and just be like, it's Iaquinta and she'd just correct them. And then they would get to my name and always with a note of relief, they'd just be like, Oh, which one of you white boys is Logan Jones? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> you, you definitely, you definitely have That's the about end. about as clean as it gets. You definitely have the end of an East West All Stars name. Like, yeah. Logan Jones, of, yeah. Utah State. Like, <laughs> it's so good. Well, so far, WNBA free agency has brought some chaos. And so we're, of course, uh, I had to bring a little chaos into the beginning of our episode today. Guys, I don't want to bury the headline any further, but real quick, Logan, do you want to give a quick rundown of how everybody can get in contact with us, where they can find us if this happens to be their first time listening? Totally. Uh, first of all, welcome in. Do us a favor. And if this is your first time listening, go ahead and leave a review, a five star rating, a like, a subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, if you leave a review and a five-star rating, we will read your review on the show, give you a shout-out, which is really fun. We have a website, WNBANation.com, where you can find our latest episodes, our blog, our Twitch stream, 
Uh, our store, which has got some really cool stuff on it lately. I don't know if you guys have checked, but some good designs for some mugs, some hoodies, a backpack. Um, I always bring up the backpack just because I've seen the backpack in person and it's I use it all the time. (laughs) Yeah, it's my my laptop case at this point. I Uh, love that. And then obviously social channels. We are at WNBA Nation Pod on Twitter. Conversations always going on over there, especially during free agency months like right now. Um, And we have a TikTok. Uh, we're we're TikTok. slowly coming around. We're I mean, in TikTok terms, we are old. I don't think we're old. We're in the prime of our lives right now. Am I right? But no. uh, we're, TikTok, we're not just old and we're not just old. <laughs> we're viciously made fun of on TikTok. We we were born in the 1900s. <laughs> as we have our say. own pause. Did you know that we our generation <laughs> owns we got that millennial pause. pause. <laughs> um, but if, uh, fry. we, we just updated some stuff on there and we're, we're making some more, more videos. We're going to be pushing out some more stuff over there. So, uh, that's where you can find all of our content. Congratulations on finding the pod. It is the off season, but we are coming at you fairly regularly. We try to get one out every week, um, covering free agency, college basketball coming up on the final four in the draft. Um, so stick with us. All right, everybody. Let's talk the big headline that we got to start off with. And obviously there's other headlines that we're going to talk about, but the big one, Candace Parker making it, uh, known through her own Instagram that she plans to sign with Las Vegas for the upcoming season. I don't know if this was at all anywhere on my radar. I'm curious to know if it was on either of your radars, uh, at all. Steve, did you, did you, like have any guesses that this might be in play for Parker? I only was when that one report leak came out that said she was like in discussions with Chicago, LA and Vegas. Like it was kind of right thrown in there. And I think a lot of people took it as, Oh man, that'd be kind of sick. Like if that happened, but I think in your mind, you were thinking a lot of people were leaning LA Obviously, sticking around in Chicago is a high place, but like, wouldn't that be interesting? And I just, I remember having that mo, that thought of like, just feels funny that that's come up and we haven't heard about them yet. Yeah. That actually feels a little bit more untapped and maybe not. And it's, but for it to be so formalized, like we didn't wait for a whatever, like we, we weren't waiting for like a news brief or a bum or anyone on Twitter. She got on Instagram. She, this is my intention. Boom. Like this it, is what it, I'm doing with it. For yeah. it to be so cut and dry and to just, you, there was nothing you needed to do. There was that reality of like, holy crap, this is happening. And like, I don't even know how to explain it. It was just like, this is real. And this is now the starting lineup for the Las Vegas Aces. Right. And it's just insane to me. Yeah. It was, it was pretty wild to see that news come across. And I was like, oh man, like, cause obviously I, I think we all had the same reaction that most everybody had was like, this feels very super team, you know, and, and I think that there's a lot of responses that come by like, like that fans come up with because of like ideas around super teams and those labels and what we've seen of those in the past, um, in the NBA as well as in the WNBA. But if you think about it, like this isn't, I wouldn't consider this the first quote unquote super team. No, not at all. Um, of the WNBA. I think there's been several of those that have occurred throughout. I mean, look at the, the Lynx dynasty, you know, that won four titles in seven years. Like that's a, that's a super team taking, taking those players. I think that obviously you, you go back to the beginning of the league in the Houston Comets and there's super teams out there. I think if the storm, if, uh, 
if Stewie doesn't get injured in 2019, we are very much are calling that Seattle Storm team a super yes. team as well. Yes, like, absolutely. That's a that was a that was a huge team. So I think, yeah, I, I think that the Storm in in kind of the the two to three year, well, I guess probably more like a four year span that the Storm were kind of you know pushing there at the top of the league. Um, they were they were looking as good as anybody. So I I don't think this is the first super team that we've seen in the league. But why? Why do you guys think that we're seeing some of the immediate negative reactions that we're seeing when, with Candace signing to Las Vegas, even though she herself lays out her personalized reasons for why she is going there? And she includes, she included in there that she wanted to compete for a championship. So I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? I don't know. I'll tell you why, because I think when people close their eyes, they looked or, or squinted their eyes and looked at that announcement on Instagram. They couldn't help but randomly see her opening a sport coat with an Aces logo and the post being titled My Next Chapter. I think that's why. <laughs> I think there's a direct correlation between how people responded to this and how people responded to Kevin Durant and the Golden State Warriors, mm. where it's people, lo- people love to, to hate ring chasing as a term. Right. And I get it. I understand it. Like the glory support thing is never fun. And I understand that side of it, but people really, really love to, um, see that as almost like a cheap way out. And, and that adds to that level of frustration. Whereas if we've always kind of, I think everyone's always wanted that moment of seeing a generational star go to a fledgling team. Like we probably joke about this every time there's a big free agent in the WNBA. Like, wouldn't it be cool if Candace Parker decided to, Go to the fever. Right. And like one of these stars just decided to be like, like, I'm going to make the dream a, t- a, t- a title team. Like, and, and yeah, like they all have that. And so I think that plays in mind to it. Um, I have my opinions on it, but when we, to answer your question, that's kind of where I see it is I think people have a weird frustration of being like, usually when you have a title team that's looking to expand, that's where you might pick up. Um, you know, I'm sure Tina Charles. I mean, her name was already connected, you know, in one way, but like, they're like players of, of a certain ilk, like maybe that who are toward the very end of their career or certain like role players. Like, you know, I think of when Chicago picking up Emma Mieseman, right? Like that type of move mm-hmm. felt like this seismic move that went a different direction. And that's kind of what I think a lot of people saw Vegas doing. They weren't expecting them to yank one of the biggest names in the history of the league um, like they did. And so, yeah, I think that's me. Maybe I'm, I'm oversimplifying that. I know people hate when things are compared to the MNBA that way, but I think I had that same ilk of like, like, do we need to, to pile on all this love? And by the way, this is a week removed from everything that had been uncovered with Derek Hamby's move to Los Angeles and, um, what she had spoken out about in regards to, to, to dealing with the ACEs organization. I think, so there's a lot of reasons why these types of things are going to be mixed when that team is involved right now. Yeah. I think that, I think those two things being like being intertwined definitely added a little bit to the, to the heat that came just around the news in general. Logan, I'm curious your thoughts as far as why we're seeing some of the reaction that we see with this Candace Parker announcement. Uh, because people hate getting beat, I think is where a lot of it comes from. <laughs> uh, 
and and that's Frankie, right. and, and to be fair, that's how I feel in my sports fandom. <laughs> I'm with them on that. Let, yeah. me, let me go ahead and if if you're new to the show, let me air some biases that that I want to get out there. I typically am anti dynasty. I'm anti ring chasing. I I like the the team player loyalty dynamic, and I want to see new blood in the Super Bowl and in the NBA championship every year. I don't want there to be blocks of this team just dominated that era. Um, it's why sometimes I come off as a UConn hater because I like to see change and I, I don't want there to just be any one team running the show. Um, I'm getting the, all that out of the way because I don't really feel like Vegas supplies. First of all, they're a champion of one. Um, right. They is, just won their <laughs> first one. They're trying to run back a, a defense of that title. And certainly even before the Candace Parker move, I think any of us would have agreed that they were a potential front runner uh, and favorite for the championship this year. We knew they were going to be good. But it's not like they've just been running the league this whole time. I mean, they finally just reached that peak. And Candace has reached it independent of the Aces. So I associate ring chasing with someone's getting towards the end of their career. They've got a couple years left of serviceable athleticism. And they're just taking a cheap deal in order to to ride someone's coattails. Candace isn't riding anybody to a, a chip. She's bringing... I mean, she's got experience yes. with championship winning in her own right. So... Um, something that I do want to touch on, um, to kind of, kind of move this forward into what you guys think is going to happen this year is anytime there's a consensus in sports among people, either with, Hey, this team is our favorite or who's going to beat them. Or especially in cases where a big name in free agency or during the scene or whatever joins other big names, but maybe they're a little bit older. And so they're, they're names that maybe you've heard for the last 10 or 15 years, but like maybe. They're not that player anymore. I always try to look at what are we missing? Um, you know, we, mm. we saw Julio Jones go to Tampa Bay in the offseason in the NFL and everyone was like, who's going to stop this offense? Well, Julio Jones isn't good anymore and neither is anybody else in Tampa Bay and they weren't a very good team. Um, it happens to the Lakers all the time. Sorry, Steve. Um, where they, they pick up, take it. they go, they go pick up Russell Westbrook and people are like, who's going to beat this team? And then it's a like, lot of teams, so oh, many teams, teams. <laughs> and it's because, so many teams. It's because picking up that big name is really exciting for a, a burst of content and and talking heads like us get on podcasts and they talk about it. And I think sometimes we have a tendency to miss kind of a bigger picture or a, a more realistic view of like how this is really going to impact a roster. That's what normally happens. This isn't one of those cases. I I don't want to overthink this. Um, this maybe that was just a waste of of saying all that, but. Candace Parker's 36. There's probably going to be some discussion right before the season about, well, how much can she really contribute? What can she still do? Ignore all of that. If I have any advice for our listeners, it's that Candace Parker is still great. She's an elite player at this level. She's going to have a big impact on that team. Asia Wilson's still going to play MVP caliber basketball like she has virtually since her rookie year. And her supporting cast of former number one picks is going to easily make that team the team to beat. Mm. Um, they were already the team to beat. They're the reigning champs. But I do not see even even if uh, if the Stewie to New York scenario happens, which looks like a coin flip at this point, but I think it's still going to happen. Um, I just don't see anybody contending with them. And I I realize it's going to be a very popular opinion. And typically, when everybody's looking in one direction, I try to look for alternatives. I, I do that with my stupid bracket every year. It's why I get creamed in March Madness. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I try to find like, what are we missing? You know, what are we maybe not thinking about? That's going to, that maybe is a hole in this team's, you know, I don't think this team has any gaps. 
I, I, I think people are right to assume that this is going right. to be a dominant yeah. team this coming spring. But it, I think, I think it's it, the, the one that you could have said last year about this team was that they lacked some depth, but adding Candace Parker helps with that as well as Alicia Clark, who yeah. now and we'll add that into the mix. Alicia Clark also signing well, you know, or having agreed to sign at this point because nothing can be official for another couple of days. But Alicia Clark now going to Las Vegas, like she's signing up to go in and be come off the bench because you're not breaking in like like that's kind of where she's at. You know, you've got you've got Plum, Gray, Young, um, Asia and Candace. So you got there's your five right there. Clark's going to come in and come off the bench that or you got to bump like Jackie Young to the bench, which I don't think necessarily she applies for her. So Clark's coming in to come off the bench, and you guys know me. Alicia Clark's one of my favorite players in the entire league. Um, absolutely phenomenal, efficient three-point shooter. One of the best defenders the league's ever seen. Like they are. What's what's this team's weakness at that point? You know, it's it, this is a very very good Aces team. Yeah, I mean, you could slightly argue depth, but not really. I, I think depending on what they hold on to roster wise, because I'm just going off of right. previous and current rosters. So there might even be moves in the worst contracts in the works that I'm, I'm misspeaking about right now. But I look at, at across this roster and I go, if you're pulling Alicia Clark, Cron Williams, Kia Stokes and Teresa place off the bench, that's, it's not a foursome I want to deal with off the bench. So it's right. I think it speaks heavily to, to that line of things. After the season that Jackie Young's had to, to tell her to take a seat for Alicia Clark probably doesn't make a ton of sense. I, I don't think no. Alicia Clark puts herself in a situation where she stand like where she would be coming and demanding those starting minutes. I will say this as far as the, how these moves look is it allows, uh, it really allows for a lot of unique pairings. I'm interested to see what that, what I kind of call that a and a half squad of, um, <clears throat> that mixture of your one, two, and three player mixing with your seventh and eighth type player, like what what those mixtures are going to look like, because they have a lot of different ingredients to play with here. But that's the thing that's interesting to me, and where um, Candace's move makes this interesting is this isn't necessarily a move that is a boon to the front court. This was a team that had a stout front court and a dynamic back court, and added a point forward. Um, right. Like it really is going to be interesting to see where that stretch plays with a lot of people talking about, Oh, I'm interested to, you know, watch her play with age is going to be amazing. I'm sitting here like she's going to be slashing the rim with Kelsey plum. Like that's nuts. What I love about this Alicia Clark move is there is an Alicia Clark, Jackie young secondary lineup that kind of becomes their defensive lineup of death. Yeah. Um, and that's where it becomes nuts. I think that this is a team that not only will be able to score at will, but will be overwhelming for, for teams that aren't solely dedicated to their perimeter. And that's going to make things really interesting for this team. So like, yeah, the, the Alicia Clark move is, is a big one that I actually think will pay huge dividends. It reminds me very much of like the Chelsea gray Raquana Williams additions in that, like at first, some of the other moves that the aces made seem to, you know, have a lot more energy. And then at the end of the day, what did we find out? Raquana Williams was making big buckets when they needed huge buckets in the playoffs. Chelsea Gray is the finals MVP. Right. 
And I think we may see some similar flow here with Alicia Clark where she becomes someone who's a huge impetus. And why do we know that? We watched her do that in Seattle. We watched her become the X factor that, in my opinion, put Seattle over the hump to becoming a title team. She has that ability in her and she has that defensive player of the year, like stoutness within her. One take that I wanted to add to the Candace pickup was when you think about this as like a, a ring chasing element, let's consider the fact that this roster still needs to fill a Derek Ahambi sized hole in it. And that's a pretty stout one when it comes to basketball. Yes. And Candace Parker in her level of play doesn't necessarily fill those roles. Now elements of Candace Parker and elements of Alicia Clark definitely do like it very much like just what Logan said, it fills in those gaps and then adds this new flavor of Becky Hammond now has so much more to play with now that the only thing I think the aces can do to, to keep themselves out of title contention outside of the unfortunate stuff out of their control is overthink this. That's, that's generally my, I think that was my first and last thought when I saw this news was my tendency, like I mentioned before, is to try to find a way that this isn't what we think it's going to be. I I think we better not overthink this. This is a huge pickup for Vegas. It's a huge loss for Chicago, which I don't see talked about quite as much. Um, but I, I do have a sinking feeling. I have a text from Logan. I'm waiting to read. I don't think it's time yet, but it, it'll come. <laughs> <laughs> the, what, the, the sinking feeling that, or the, the noise that you can hear in the background almost is, I think Chicago might be skating off a cliff. Um, we were a little worried in our, in our last episode that so many of their players might be on the move, including Candace Parker, although we didn't have her to Vegas. Now it kind of feels like a little bit of an indictment that part of Candace's message announcing her move was interest in winning more championships. And that would seem to insinuate that Chicago is not prepared to make that sort of run this year. And I could see that. I, I mean, I could see that team really falling apart quickly. I, I think there's still a good organization with a good coach and a good future in Kalia Copper. But I mean, every year there's teams that, that fall a long way in the standings that I think people don't anticipate. And I could easily see Chicago being tapped as that team this year. Um, and I, I like, I, I'm interested in what other teams are going to do to combat this. Um, because like, obviously New York has their plan and LA has their plan. A lot of teams are going to get better, but I don't think there's any team that has Becky Hammond championship level coach and Candace and Asia and Chelsea and all those championship caliber players that are going to be ready to take. I mean, this <sighs> weird stuff happens every season of every sport I've ever watched. Like even if you remember last season, we were pretty on top of this on this pod. I think the three of us hosts kind of saw this coming, but there were people saying like, who's going to beat Phoenix, like sky Dig right. on Phoenix. Like this is going to be unstoppable. I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I just think Vegas is too much. Um, I, un, unless, uh, the, the Bree Stewart edition in New York that I think is going to happen really turns into like, she is the Kevin Durant of this league and she's, she's a tough out and she can do, so much herself that when she's with championship caliber teammates, I I sort of see that as being the natural answer to this Vegas move. But I don't I don't know what other teams are going to do to combat this, like in the draft or 
picking up role players or something like that. Yeah, I like I like it. There's a couple opportunities here that there's a couple players I've got my eye on as far as like that could be major difference makers for a team. Um, obviously, Brianna Stewart and Courtney Vandersloot I think are kind of my one two right now as far as like watching where they would end up. Um, and honestly, right now it seems like we've heard rumored both of them in talks with both Seattle and New York. And if you think about it, like if we're talking super teams or teams that could compete with Las Vegas, if you've got a team with let's, let's take Seattle, for example, let's say Stewie wants to stay in Seattle and you bring Vandersloot in and those two teaming up with, um, Jewel Lloyd and with a lot of other cap space that maybe they go, they go add like a, a Neko Gumake or, you know, like they could add yeah. some really interesting pieces. That's for, for the record, as of this recording, the report is that Stewart has narrowed down her, her options. She's staying put or she's going to New York. I, I don't yes. know if you've seen anything more recent than that, but no, 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 that's, that's, that's why that's we keep referencing recent. that. Yes. Yeah. And so like, like that, that team right there, like if that ends up being the case, obviously that's a big, that's a big time team. You could say the same thing with New York with, you know, UNESCO there. And, you know, if they were to add Stewie and Vandersloot, like that could be, that could be a really formidable team as well. I still don't think I would put them above Las Vegas at this point, but I do think that there is some options out there for teams that could compete. Um, I just don't. You know, nothing's set in stone right now. And right now it feels like a really tall order to ask any team to come in and, and really kind of knock Las Vegas off. I'll say this. Uh, on the assumption that we somehow managed to see, at the very least, Spree Stewart in New York and potentially Vandersloot, I still don't know how that math works, but we hear it's possible, so let's see how it's possible. The Aces moves set them up perfectly for 2023. What the Liberty are setting themselves up for is the next five to six years. Right. Where, because one thing that's notable to what the Aces are doing now is they have the potential to maintain themselves as a contender, but it remains to be seen what the longevity there looks like. New York is still a team on the rise that's going to set that up. And also a collection of moves that if all these players stay healthy, I think there should be allowed uh, a knee jerk clause that at any point before the end of the conference championships, we can just make the final seven games. If these teams end up in the finals, <laughs> uh, like that has to be allowed to happen because it's we just, just, we just make that transition. We have the potential for two, two amazing foils. I mean, that's, that's where this is interesting and kind of like the basketball fan in me is like, if we're going to have the Western juggernaut, it'd be fun to have the Eastern juggernaut. And then, you know, we get the Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair, WrestleMania main event on hardwood. I'm here for that. You know, so it's, um, <laughs> like I, I think it, it stands to be like a, a, a strong and standard move. But as far as right here, right now, it's really, really impossible to, to make that move. It would, uh, it would have to take circumstances out of players control that you would never want to call out to, uh, I think keep the aces from being a favorite. And that's what I would say. Do I want to come out right. and, and, and outwardly just say, this is my team, the team that's gone all the way. Obviously that can put you in a lot of trouble to, to Vegas odds. Any other team as a favorite would be almost yeah, asinine. That's, that's what I was going to say. Like if obviously chaos happens, injuries happen, unexpected teams rise and fall. But if you were to put your house on the line, 
and you had to you had to bet Vegas or the field as your WNBA champions next year. I think I'm taking Vegas over the field, which is a really rare not it's like, a really you know, rare. Yeah, that's usually not the case. Yeah, I, 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 I think there's. I will we, say could, though, we could talk this all day. Yeah, I want. I just. I want to keep I, diving into things. I will what say though, element of this. Oh, you, go ahead. I have to say before we get it out because this may never happen. But you did just create the image in my head of Jewel Lloyd and Neko Gumake sharing a court, and that's unfair that you did that. It's probably not going to be a thing. Um, also, I. Just, it would be, be clear, nice. I'm actually betting Kyle's house. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say so the bottom. The you're bottom gonna bet your house. I was like, Logan, you live with me. Part of the house. So the bottom part, just just my basement. <laughs> I'm betting the wing of our garage. I, that's what I'm willing to give. <laughs> There's a little extra lawnmower. Uh, I know every Vegas fan is listening to this episode, like overjoyed about the Candace Parker move. And then every time I say like, "There's no way they're gonna lose," they're just cringing a little. Like ah. they're just like, "Ah, oh, Logan, shut <laughs> up." <laughs> I got it. Can I, I I have one more thing to add. I know we've harped on this, but it's a huge story. So I'm not mad. Um, the biggest winner of all this, uh, I think if I could say before we move on to other news is specifically Asia Wilson. The reason I say this is because I can't be in Candace Parker's brain and tell you why she made the decision that she did. I can say that just from her story, an interesting dynamic. And an interesting narrative that comes out of this is one of the biggest storylines when she entered the league was being under the wing of a front court legend in Lisa Leslie. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those scenarios where for however long this contract is one, two, three years, whatever it is, this is Asia Wilson's opportunity to sit at the helm of another legend in Candace Parker. And yes, Asia Wilson doesn't need anyone to tell her how to play basketball. That's that's good. But someone who probably understands you are potentially going to be the face of the next echelon of growth for this league of of women's basketball hitting the sports mainstream. You may very well be the face of that. You couldn't you could barely find a better person to pair them with to prepare for that. So it comes to say that when Candace Parker's contract is over, however successful the aces are, Asia Wilson will be set up. Yes. To propel the aces that much farther after, after the case. And I think she becomes potentially the biggest beneficiary if they're able to, to hook onto that. Cause I think with Liz Cambage, they were peers mm. very much in a certain way. I think in this case, it's a different dynamic and, and that's someone that she can speak well with. And I, and I, do I think that's a big reason why someone like Candace Parker would make that decision? I can't be in someone's brain, but I could see it being something that motivates someone to say, I was lucky enough to sit under the helm of one of the greatest to ever do this at the very start of my career. And I love the idea that I get to sit with another generational all-time talent and pass that along. That's a pretty cool thing. So that's, I think at the end of the day, it's like these moves create ripples well beyond what we're fathoming now. Dear Kahambi going to LA, I think is a huge part of why the why the aces are able to bring in Alicia Clark and um Candace Parker. Because if you look right now at the Las Vegas Aces like salary cap, um they do not have a lot of cap space. They basically had 138 grand to spend. And so to bring in Candace Parker and Alicia Clark, who are, you know, older veterans in the league, um, you know, what that even that vet minimum would look like 
uh, Dear Kahambi does have $169,000 as far as like what her contract is. So her being gone and they basically traded that for picks and the rights to Amanda Zowie B, the rights to negotiate with Amanda Zowie B. Um, and I wonder if some of that was they're shoring up their bets in case things fell through with maybe Parker or Clark. Um, another name that I look at this is that is Raquana Williams. She also is pulling in 150 K. Um, but you know, that's 11% of their current cap. Like maybe that's someone that, uh, you know, her, her, her contract is currently unprotected. So maybe that's another player they, they met, you know, look at, I'm not trying to put anything out there for Raquana, but that's just as I'm looking at the numbers, but the story with the Dier Kahambi, she's obviously been a huge piece for this Las Vegas Aces team in their success. Um, you know, being willing to come off the bench when she easily could be with another team and starting and then finally getting that starting role only to then help lead the Aces to a title. Um, announcing at the championship parade that she's pregnant with her second child being guaranteed. You've got a spot here. You know, she's due in March and she plans on being ready, uh, you know, day one of the season. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you never know with pregnancies, um, uh, you know, what, what recovery looks like, but in all, for all intents and purposes, she's planning on being ready to go for the 2023 season. And then immediately being traded, um, you know, once free agency rolls around, obviously there's a lot to unpack here as far as her feelings on how she's being treated. Um, what Las Vegas has apparently had apparently promised her and, and what she wanted to do there. You know, Las Vegas is now her home. It's where she's raising Amaya. Like that has to hurt for her to go to LA after being guaranteed so much with Las Vegas. There was a lot going on here. And so I'm curious what your guys' thoughts were as she, you know, sending out tweets, um, <laughs> and, and Instagram posts and, and, you know, long form writing out what her feelings were. What was your initial reaction? Logan, I'm curious what your first thoughts were. Well, um, as you outlined, she signed that contract ex- extension in June with the team that she'd been with her entire career. So obviously there are some hurt feelings, maybe some, some feelings of, of being lied to and kind of spurned lover type feelings here, which some organizations do not handle trade negotiations. Well, some players do not handle being traded well, but her statement was so spicy. I'm, I'm going to read a, 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 pick, a piece of this in just a minute, but I know yeah, you guys yeah. have all read it. There are, there are some tidbits in her statement that I don't think are just coming from a place of being hurt about the trade, but right. kind of have a ring of like, well, I don't think she would just make that up out of thin air sort of thing. Um, and her, her, one of her biggest grievances was being told that she wasn't taking workout seriously when she said, I will be ready to go. Like, don't worry about the pregnancy. She essentially was met with like, we don't believe you. Like we don't, we don't see that happening. Um, which, you know, obviously this is just one perspective, but to have, uh, she says to be treated this way by an organization, by women who are mothers who have claimed to be in these shoes, who preach family chemistry and women's empowerment is disappointing and leaves me sick to my stomach. Mm. That's a wow to me. 
Um, I, I think if she came out and said, I'm disappointed, they didn't communicate with me, they didn't take me seriously, blah, blah, blah. I think you could chalk all that up to, I think her feelings got hurt and there's nothing to see here. There, she went more specific. This is a, this is a layer deeper. Yes. Um, and she, she does talk about like, I know being traded is, is part of the business. Um, what is it being lied to, bullied, manipulated and discriminated against is not that it, those are some massive allegations, right? I mean, yes. it's not going to affect. The, the good vibes in Vegas, they're happy that they picked up Parker and they're the reigning champs and they're going to have a ring ceremony night and they're going to feel fine about it. But that is putting a, a very public organization and very, very in the spotlight organization on blast. Um, and that is, that is spicy. I, I'm excited in basketball terms. I'm excited about the move for the Sparks. I think Jasmine Thomas and Dierica Hampy are great pickups for them. They've got Coach Miller in the house. They've got a new GM. The Sparks basketball-wise are going to be a more fun team to watch this year than they've been in recent years. But that's a storyline to keep an eye on. Yeah. Is the did, did Vegas really do Hamby, who had been with the organization for some time, really dirty this offseason? Yeah, and and the detail into which she went with it um, was what kind of caught my attention. Because, again, I think a lot of people are always going to chalk something like this up to like, oh, well, of course you're hurt, like you didn't want to get traded. And I think that that's what a lot of people would come into this with, but the details laid out of what was happening um, and, and what she says was happening even prior to the trade. That's, that's where I, t- I took some pause to really give a lot of um, give a lot of, I guess, intrigue into her, her experience and what she had been feeling and experiencing. Um, and it makes me, you know, I know a lot of, players or at least a lot of fans have been kind of, you know, uh, upset that Candace Parker then turns around and says, well, I'm moving there for the, you know, for my family. And when Alicia, not Alicia Clark, sorry, dear Kahambi is saying on the very opposite that instead of, you know, empowering and supporting her with her pregnancy and raising her family and that they're, uh, you know, preaching that they're a family organization that she's now experiencing the opposite and went into detail on it. That's that's what kind of gave me pause, Steve. I'm curious what your what your thoughts are on this. It's it's heartbreaking in a lot of ways, and one of the main things is because this was a provision of the of the current CBA that was one of the biggest eye openers, which was provision for expectant mothers for pregnancies for yeah you know for chil- you know children within that. And and it's important to keep in mind that obviously the protections that players have within their pregnancy, the fact that there are minimum contract extensions that can be given to teams who have players who are out on, on maternity that those have been set in place and still these conversations are happening. That's what's so heartbreaking Mm -hmm. to me about it is that what frustrates me about what I'm seeing and keeping in mind as always, we're only seeing one side of the story. I shouldn't have said that so sarcastically, but it's that idea of like, we're only hearing Derek's side of the story, but what I'm hearing, if this is true from the ACES side, just feels so unnecessary. Mm. Like, what's the attitude behind this? What's the motivation behind this? What's this idea that you're treating this player like this kind of snake in the grass? Like, well, I'm going to get pregnant while I sign my extension, and then I can, what, like, hold this team hostage? One of the biggest things I got out of this, and granted, we only see so much of a player. We don't understand all sides of who they are as a person. But one of the weirdest shocks I got out of this was the idea that an organization can claim that someone like Derek Ahambi 
wouldn't take their training seriously enough Mm -hmm. because the sample that I have is a Derek Ahambi who consistently put her body to the hardwood and played as physical of a game of basketball as you can watch anyone play in this entire league. So where's this idea that like she would potentially lollygag it or whatever you want to say. And, and, And on the other side of saying that in recovery from a pregnancy or in like training to, to come back and play after that fact, that really poked a hole in me. And I think it, it adds to one last note. Cause I think we all have a lot of different things we could say about this. I hope that this discussion with, with maternity, with pregnancy and the CBA continues to expand. I hope that we, we can kind of really help along to see to it that these conversations come to a better light. I would hope, that these conversations didn't coincide in the back of their mind with the front office, the aces knowing they had the potential to make some splash moves. So it might drown things out or like we need to set the seeds in her mind that she's not a part of the organization so that when we trade her, it doesn't feel like as much of a betrayal. I don't know. You know how business people are in the back of their heads. One of the things that gets me the most about this, and I don't know why it does is she notes we fought for provisions that would finally support and protect players and parents. And, uh, you know, now this is being used essentially against me, I think is what she said. And they're telling her that she wouldn't be ready to play. We need bodies. We don't think you're taking your recovery seriously enough. You know, you're hiding behind this pregnancy to, to put in the work you need to recover. There's a very serious line you cross when you start making those claims. Right. And I mean this in any workplace in this situation of like, you're not pulling your weight coming out of this pregnancy or whatever it is. I'll be very specific as to one element of it. And it's just one element of it. And I'm not saying that this is a part of Derek and Hamby's life at all. I would never make that claim, but it's a very common thing. A lot of people go through in this situation. Postpartum depression is extremely real mm-hmm. and it is extremely uh, retching and harrowing and difficult to go through. I only have the exposure of seeing my spouse experience it. And it was one of the most difficult, helpless experiences I had as a husband of knowing I could only do so much to be there for someone going through that exact experience. That's one example of the difficulties that people go through, regardless of, you know, what, how physical their job is. When they're coming off of this pregnancy, and a lot of people will tell you the second, the second child, often the, those risks or those issues are very different than the first. Mm-hmm. So maybe you didn't have that type of experience with your first child. Often, it almost often for some mothers means like you will have it in the second one. Not all the time, but sometimes. I, I'm not going to claim that the aces have any sort of insensitivity to these types of issues. Complicated. And dangerous issues that, that mothers have postpartum. But if any of that plays a role, it is extremely heartbreaking and there needs to be some additional nuanced discussion as to when we're talking about protecting these players, taking care of these players and supporting them. How far does that go? I'm starting because it makes one on the outside looking in worry that it's definitely not going far enough. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of where I appreciated that context. It's hard because for all that to be true, there has to be more negative context than she even shared 
So I understand that I'm speculating, but that's what worried me. Cause that's the first thing I thought of is imagine being uh, a mother, you know, a parent coming out of this pregnancy. You may be dealing with some of these after effects and you have this organization who you've put yourself on the line for has promised that they would be there for you, you know, has all this positive energy behind them. And they're suddenly telling you, well, you're not putting in the weight. You're not recovering. Well, you're not doing the right thing. And now you're piling on to something and creating a, a ticking clock that isn't necessary. That's the right. biggest takeaway from everything that was claimed to come from the organizational side of things is just, it was completely unnecessary. I don't see why there's any point to even have that discussion. No, I love it. Great takes. Fantastic takes. I think that there's um, the fact that we haven't heard anything at all from the Las Vegas side of things. I do feel is a little, little weird. I mean, I don't know if they're just saying, let's just not say anything and it'll kind of go away. I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it does feel off because of the, of the amount of, um, you know, some allegations, because I think you're right, Steve, if those allegations are true. And again, I have zero reason to believe that dear Cahambi would, would lie about that because she has been so good to that organization in the past. And, you know, again, I don't have any reason to not believe her. So if, if those are true, I think that there, there does need to be some really long, hard looks at, you know, not just the Las Vegas Aces organization, but the WNBA organization, um, and the, the CBA and, and taking some of this into consideration moving forward. I wouldn't be shocked if, if the players association's findings or their results from this is when you'll hear something from the organization from the Aces. Right. Um, yeah, that would make sense because they spoke out immediately. And if they see that there's any hard wrongdoing, then there, it just may be additional things for them to have to speak to that jumping in right away might hurt them on that side of things. Um, right. Once there's more and more of an investigation, I guess you could say. Yeah. And also just like who's involved. That's the hard part is like Derek Hamby has no reason to give names. She, you know, it's, it's her call, but that's where it's difficult is like, we only know the names we know. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of other people involved in an organization. So, you know, as much as you want to go for Mark Davis's head, as much as you want to go for Becky Hammond's head, like it's, there's a lot to, to find out on that, but it's, um, it's a sticky situation and like the timing of it from one week to the next. Yep. Uh, talking about the aces in totally different light. It's, it's just intriguing. Very intriguing. Okay, we've taken up a lot of real estate on these on these moves and well deserved because this is kind of the big stuff. Two other quick moves I wanted to I want to bring up. The first one, Brittany Sykes has agreed, well, has agreed two terms, has not obviously it's not been official yet, with the Washington Mystics. Um Sykes obviously, you know, being a, an unrestricted free agent and having played for the Sparks last year, Sykes uh averaging about twelve uh, 12 and three and three really is kind of where she was. Um, did a really, really solid job on the defensive end and, and has essentially since she joined the league. Um, pretty big signing here, I think, for the Washington Mystics. I think the Mystics have, um, some really solid pieces already with, uh, obviously Deladon, Atkins, Natasha Cloud, Shakira Austin, even last year having a really solid rookie year. Um, I think that this could be one of the better defensive teams in the league. 
Um, I b- believe, if I'm not mistaken, they were like a top two or top three, at least, if not the best, um, defensive team in 2022. So adding Sykes is just, man, that, that adds a lot to a, a Washington Mystic squad that already was doing a lot on that end of the court. Um, just curious your guys' reactions or thoughts, uh, on Sykes signing with the Mystics. I like any time a team adds defense in the offseason because it always gets overshadowed. And then about three games into the season, we're like, hey, they're playing a lot better on defense lately. And then we get to go back and remember <laughs> like, oh, that's right. That's half of the, the game. Um, so <laughs> I'm a big fan of this move. I, I know the Mystics think they are a little closer to contending than I think the average fan or viewer. And I would like them to prove everyone right. Or, or themselves right and everyone else wrong. I, I'm pulling for them to kind of have a, a renaissance year with that group before they hit a hard rebuild soon. Um, mm-hmm. and I think this is a, Brittany Sykes is one of those, one of those players that I just think could make any team better. Um, she adds yep. kind of a rare on, like on ball defensive tenacity that everyone could use. So it's a good move. Yeah. She's been on the all defensive team for the last three seasons. So. Uh, that alone plays in well when you've already got some pretty decent, you know, scoring potential. Um, you know, I, I do think that, uh, I do think that they do need to add a little more offense to this Mystics team to like really become a true contender. Yeah. But on the defensive side of the ball, I would consider their job complete. Like you go, go, go get some shooters at this point, go get oh. some scorers. So that's, that's where I see this. Steve, any thoughts? You couldn't find a better player to to pair with Shakira Austin under the basket, right? That's like this will be a a low key top three front court defense with that pairing. They're going to work with each other so freaking well, and that's on top of the fact that obviously you have Elena Deladon, um, you know, along that ride. But that just those are two players that are going to buoy each other up. I'm expecting Shakira Austin to hit all-star levels. I mean, I, I, I really like a lot of what I saw out of her last season. And um, I'm just excited to see th- those two have a dynamic that I think could play really well together. Um, but, I mean, to everything else you said, yeah, it's this is definitely a good step forward for the Mystics to try and bring something together. Um, obviously, they were very much in that... Uh, scuttlebutt of where John Quill Jones might end up. Yeah. Um, you know, New York is where it ended up, but there was talks of the Mystics very much being on that list. And so when that doesn't play itself out, um, to go and pick up Brittany Sykes, who is a defensive player of the year contender on a frequent basis. Yeah. That's a, I hate to call it a value pick because sometimes when we use the term value pick, I feel like we water down actually the effectiveness of the player, but it's very net positive. I agree. One last pick that, or I guess move we should, uh, bring up is, which actually fits well because Sykes, uh, Brittany Sykes and Alicia Gray were kind of that, uh, one, two punch as far as rookies in our initial, uh, break into the league was it really came down to Alicia Gray and Brittany Sykes for that first rookie of the year that we were covering. But Alicia Gray has been traded to Atlanta from Dallas for picks. Including the number three, right? Including the number three. I, is, yeah, I believe you are correct on that. That's, uh, um, I've, I've yes. thoughts on that. Yeah, including the number three for this upcoming draft, as well as their 2025 first round pick. 
So again, Dallas finding a way to just have draft picks forever. <laughs> um, that's just always Dallas's move right now. Um, they just, you know, they couldn't handle only having, you know, six first rounders or whatever. I just, season. I just I traded Alicia Gray for all of Atlanta's Lions. <laughs> I don't know like if the- Lions matters at all in this case, but if it does, I'm set. Uh, that this, the this, Parks uh, and Rec play into how Dallas approaches draft yeah. picks is very <laughs> apropos. <laughs> so the reason the reason I like talking about this, and I'm I'm glad we're kind of ending the episode on this because I I haven't said a lot of positive things about Dallas in the last couple of months. If you guys picked up on that, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure nobody's I, I picked up on a, that. Yeah. I think this is a great move for them. It's it's a move that makes sense for Atlanta. Um, you drafted rookie of the year Ryan Howard last year, and you're developing Ari McDonald. I get why Atlanta is kind of like, look, we're, we're ch- trying to be a playoff team. We can get someone in one of these spots that has some experience in this league. We should crazy a good player. I like the deal a little bit more for Dallas. I don't think it was a, a mm. I don't think anyone win won or lost the trade, but, um, the number three pick this year to fill the Alicia Gray sized hole is going to be someone we've talked to, right? Like we've interviewed Haley Jones. We've talked to Diamond Miller up in Maryland. Like those are the players that are going to be in in contention for that pick. And I really like uh, this, the outlook of this Dallas team with either of those players. So that's, uh, I, I think I know we're all used to seeing Dallas just amass picks and then get a bunch of rookies and then not make the playoffs or barely make the playoffs and then not really like get any sort of momentum going. I, I see this as a, a you know, you're, you're going to get two or three seasons down the line and see this is a really positive move for them. Um, I think Alicia Gray is a fine player, but makes more sense in Atlanta. And I'm really excited to see Dallas get some young reinforcements to really start elevating that team. Mm, I like it. Uh, yeah, Steve, your thoughts on, on this move with, uh, with Gray joining Ryan Howard now in Atlanta? I think all, all the same. I, I think it's a, a really solid plus move. I think having, uh, at least mid level veteran presence. Um, I mean, they have Shan Parker and Daniel Robinson on that roster. So there's a lot of veteran presence, but to have that in that young backcourt is really solid. Um, so in general, net positive, as far as just looking at the roster, I just really hope Ari McDonald doesn't get lost in the shuffle here. And mm-hmm. I, I hope she can find a footing or at least go somewhere where she can find a footing. Cause I think she's kind of the piece that is possibly being swept, swept away. Um, where with that, Brian Howard, Alicia Gray backcourt, which I mean, yeah, stick with that as best you can, but, um, I hope she still is able to maintain a role where she can prove her, her will there because I want for the, for Atlanta to have a talented crowded backcourt is, is a great problem to have. So I hope that they run into that, but, um, <clears throat> so that'll be intriguing, but no, I like the idea. I like overall, I'm, I think it's a good move for Atlanta as a plus. Um, I don't know what the else is doing. I don't know what we're talking about. And I I, that's really the theme with me. I just don't. <laughs> I just don't. I, I, I want it to work, but I don't, I don't know. It's like the Tim Robinson chunky thing. Just like figure out what you do. Like in, uh, we'll get there. So. <laughs> And that sounds like a net negative, but it, that's just like, what are you getting from one day to the next? It's going to be intriguing. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, yeah, uh, we'll see. We'll see what, what, what happens here. That's pretty much all of the, the current 
free agency news that we need to that we needed to hop on Mike and cover. Obviously, we've got other coverage that's going to be coming down the pipeline with uh, NCAA basketball. Uh, you know, rolling forward, we're in the right in the middle of the throes of conference play right now. We've got some big names uh, really coming out and and making a name for themselves. If you're not paying attention to what like you know players like Angel Reese. What, what she's doing at LSU. Obviously, uh, South Carolina staying undefeated. Um, Stanford looking as good as ever. You've got, uh, you know, teams like Utah who've come along and, and are looking like they could easily, uh, make a deep run in, in March. Um, just, just so much going on in, in the game. And that's all, uh, you know, on top of what Caitlin Clark is doing and, and becoming absolutely viral on every platform because of everything that she does. I was about to run upstairs and, and slap you across the head for not bringing up Caitlin Clark. <laughs> no, I, I was, that was, that I'm saying those are all of the quote unquote underlying headlines because of what Caitlin Clark's doing. Um, and, you know, ending up on ESPN highlights every single time she plays. So. Yeah, like if you're not paying attention to to women's college basketball, this is one of the more fun, entertaining years I've ever seen. Uh this is an absolute blast and it's crazy because some people looking on the outside would say, "Well, it's just going to be South Carolina. They're just going to run it back." That could be the case, but this is a very deep like like season. There's a lot of teams that could make a lot of noise come March. So make sure you're paying attention. This is not going to be one of those easy, you know, pick your number one seeds to make the final four. Cause there could be, there, there could be some, some higher seeds making, making a run here. Um, but anything else from either of you two before we go ahead and uh, put a bow on this? I just, uh, I want to open up a quick, uh, pop quiz question to you guys based on the college game right now. I'll, I'll, I'll start simple because we're about two thirds the way through the season roughly. I'll start simple and then I want to open it up to a different type of discussion, but this could be very quick rapid fire. First of all, we've opened up a bunch of those names. Um, if you had a, I don't want to use any violent terms. If you had a pie being held to your face right now, and Leslie, no pause was attacked. Play. By a pie. Luckily, it only hit Jerry, so no damage was done. And you had to pick who's your player of the year? who's the, who's the national player of the year. Ugh. I'll narrow. I can narrow it down to three. I'll can narrow it down. I'll narrow it down to three names for you. Okay, go for it. Is it Aaliyah Boston, Caitlin Clark, or Angel Reese? Gosh, those were the three that I would yeah. say. I think right now it's Clark. Oh. I'm not going to expound I, on that. <laughs> I, I think I, I think that talk myself out of it. Clark's numbers make a lot of sense. I don't know if anybody really understood or could comprehend that Angel Reese would do what she is currently doing, breaking all kinds of records at LSU for double doubles, you know, consecutive double doubles on an undefeated team. Who knew that LSU would be the other undefeated team at this point in the season? And, and playing as well as they are. Mm-hmm. I, I think we kind of saw what Caitlin Clark would be. And I don't think we truly understood the full potential of what Angel Reese was capable of until right now. I would probably give the nod to Angel Reese. I lean Angel Reese. I mean, 24 and 15 with a, on a 20 and 0 team. Um, Clark fits the narrative. And I yeah, think, I think Clark makes a lot of sense too. And I think people are treating the situation with, uh, with, Leah Boston is kind of a 
she has the throne until someone necessarily takes it from her. But when I look at South Carolina, I'm almost as interested in giving the nod to Zia Cook as I am to Leah Boston right now. So that's where that one yeah. gets intriguing. Now, potentially, obviously a lot of things can change and I may not have my math correct. These three players that I named also may very well potentially be the faces of the next three drafts. Uh, yes. <laughs> NBA drafts or WNBA drafts. We look at Aliyah Boston, Caitlin Clark and, and Angel Reese. You, if you get to choose your team to be the number one pick in any of these drafts, you get to pick one draft and you get to be in that draft to get that player. Which one do you take? So different Boston. than the term player of the year, but who are you taking first? I'm taking Aliyah Boston. Gosh, that's a tough call. Keep in mind that um, makes you the Indiana fever, Logan. <laughs> I I rock with the fever now, Steve. Does the fever rock with us? I like it. No, I like I, it. I I I I truly think all three of them are like are players that you got to say like I I got to have them on my team. If I can only pick one, I do think that Aaliyah Boston is probably more of a surefire, like long term make a difference type player in the WNBA. I think the other two may have a little bit of growing pains coming into the league. Um, I do think of as of the three, I have the most question marks about Caitlin Clark, but I do think she potentially has the highest ceiling, but if I'm going to put my, my franchise on someone's back, I think it's, it's Aaliyah Boston. I think we have a lot more to see from Reese. And that's what's yes, tough. I agree. Uh, like that's why this discussion's tough. I will say right now, maybe it's just because of what we've seen entertainment wise out of her and her ability to play. Reese just feels like someone who would excite our the roster and would excite the business aspect of my team as well. She just feels like someone that would be. She's very marketable. marketable. Yeah, and yes. so like that's where I I almost lean in that direction, and that pains me to say it because. I, if I had my druthers, her coach would never win another basketball game for the history of time. <laughs> um, but I don't get that luxury. I had her team has to go 21 and 0 because I really like watching injuries play basketball. Uh, there's a part of me that leans that direction. Um, but it's hard because for every reason that you guys said, as far as like a player who comes in and takes over, um, you know, Aaliyah Boston makes, so much sense in that realm. So that's where it's tough. I lean Reese in that direction. Um, I only don't lean that way with Caitlin Clark to say with Caitlin Clark. I think it's just going to depend on where she ends up. It's just what team is in the running when she's picked up. Right. And obviously like hers flares a little bit with Paige Beckers in one way or the other, but obviously with the injury that changes that, that timing. I think she's officially over. Like, if I'm a WNBA franchise and Paige and Clark are both on on the docket, I'm taking Clark. Like, I I I feel yeah. pretty strongly about that. And that's not a knock on Paige because, like, it's just Paige hasn't had the opportunity this time, because of injuries. This, this time next year, that's a different discussion, right? Like, we we sure. should be having a very could different be. talk. But yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Man, the next three drafts are going to rule. They're just going to yeah. roll. Way better drafts and, and the next the couple way, of years. We, we haven't had an episode where we've dug really deep into the goings on of the college game in a little bit. Maybe, maybe I'll try to do one later in the week. If, if you guys are free, we can get together and do that. But I've been really wanting to talk some of these teams that we haven't had time to talk about. And LSU is obviously very interesting. Indiana, who I loved last season, it's 20 and one. 
Stanford is still like overshadowed by how great South Carolina is. Cameron Brink just had a triple double with blocks. Um, yeah, Cameron Brink, I think, <laughs> like, is looking very good. So, if Cameron Brink were to declare for this year, I think she's yeah. the only that's, player those, who's even in yeah, the realm say, of potentially passing up. Yeah, I mean, we've we've been looking ahead to drafts and things like that for a couple of years now that are going to be really deep, and like those are just things we're barely scratching the surface of right now. Like we. There's a lot of players that we haven't even brought up in this episode that are going to be major, but major moves. I got. I do have to give a small shout out to Indiana when you called them out because not only are they twenty and one, they are hurting ranked teams. Yes, yeah, hurting <laughs> ranked teams. I mean, they just they just beat number two Ohio State by thirteen. They are absolutely just putting the pedal to the metal. That team. Oh, th- this bracket's going to be fun because I think yeah. <laughs> you could maybe go three deep, three four, possibly even four deep, and have reason to pick some some quality teams. So it's it's gonna be very intriguing. Um no we'll have to dig further into that. And we also all live ninety minutes from the Huntsman Center. We may have to see what this Utah mm-hmm. team has in their coffers Dude, for too long. They yes. Y- Utah's for real. Utah's for real. I really do think that they they I think are the best option to beat Stanford in that tournament, in that conference tournament. I really think that Utah could go in and cause some real havoc in that, in that conference. They're playing very well. Very, very well. Love it. Okay. All right, guys, let's go ahead and, and call that a night. Thank all of you for listening. We appreciate that. Uh, if you have two seconds right now, we would love if you just drop a quick five star review wherever you happen to be listening, whether it's on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Um, that really does help us out a ton. And feel free to pop over to the other WNBA podcast and give them a five star rating as well. We want to see all of us, all the WNBA content moving up the ranks. You doing that little bit actually does help the coverage of the league and the exposure of the league. If you love women's basketball, that's a really easy and cheap and free way to do so. So quick five-star review would mean the world to us. Um, but for WNBA Nation, my name's Kyle Haywood. I'm Steve Schwartzman. I'm Logan Jones. And we got you next time.